0: Welcome, everybody. Time for another episode of Alive, brought to you by the Asher Longevity Institute, committed to the science-based and easy-to-implement lifestyle changes you need in order to live a much longer and much healthier life. Today's show is made possible through the generous support of People's Unlimited, a premier longevity company in Phoenix, Arizona. People's Unlimited is a co-sponsor of the Coalition for Radical Life Extensions annual Rad Fest. Learn more about the festival and register for the October 2 through 4 live stream program of longevity experts at rlecoalition.com. That's rlecoalition.com. I'm Dave Potts in the Asher Longevity Institute studio in Washington, D.C., together with the host of Alive, John Asher, CEO and co-founder of the Asher Longevity Institute. The title of the show is Extend Your Life with Seven Medications and Additional Therapies. This is the seventh in a series of 10 podcasts by John, one of the founders of the Asher Longevity Institute. In his first podcast, John described the fundamental reasons we die and the many contributing causes. He also gave an overview of the nine steps to achieve an unlimited life. In this podcast, John describes the details of step six, the rationale for taking seven prescription drugs or medications with additional off-label therapies to significantly increase lifespan. Hello, John.
1: Hello, Dave. Thank you for the introduction as always. So before I get into these seven prescription drugs, because this is very a very controversial step because many people don't like to take prescription drugs unless they really need to, and I'm totally sympathetic with that. So, before we get going, I want to describe some of the trials that are done on various drugs. First, there is a clinical trial, usually proposed by a drug company who's developed a new drug. And then they propose to the FDA to do a trial. The FDA has very strict guidelines, it's very expensive, could take years. And in many cases, they've got to have very controlled conditions. So, for example, placebo controlled meaning half the group are taking the drug, half the people are taking a sugar pill, and it's double-blind, meaning the people who are taking it don't know whether they're getting the real thing or not, and the doctors analyzing the results, the researchers, don't know which group is which either, just to try to keep it totally pure from a identity standpoint. And then once we do that, in the end, we can identify the benefits of the drug and the side effects with just one variable, the drug. So it will determine whether, of course, the benefits outweigh the side effects. And if they do, then it will be authorized as a drug approved by the FDA. And as we learned in the COVID crisis, in some cases, this approval process can be used for emergencies for what's called off-label uses. And we've heard about people using uh, malaria drugs and other drugs for purposes that could be useful for COVID-19. So that's what's called a clinical trial. The next type of trial or study is called an epidemiology study. And that means you take a very large population over a very long period of time. And then you can make some pretty good inferences. And in this case now, there's many variables. So an FDA approved clinical trial, just one variable, the drug. But in an epidemiology study over many years with a big sampling, there's many variables. And there's a couple of very famous ones, the Framington studies, where it's hundreds of thousands of doctors in one study, hundreds of thousands of nurses in another. So they know they have people who are willing to get up physical every year and willing to have their blood drawn and willing to fill out a form. And once they do, over a long period of time, you can draw some realistic inferences. It doesn't show you cause and effect, but it does tell you inferences which would help you perhaps do clinical trials later. An example would be if a nurse is more than 30 pounds overweight, she loses seven years of life. If a doctor was a heavy smoker two packs a day or more, he or she will lose 11 years of life. So you can't really show cause and effect, but you can get some pretty good inferences as long as it's done over a long time, people are willing to fill out a form and get a physical every year, and so you've got pretty good data. So that's called an epidemiology study. Then there's what's called a meta-analysis, and that is where you take a whole bunch of epidemiology studies, mush them together, and the outcome could be an assessment of overall mortality risk. So it's not just one epidemiology study. It could be 500 of them. And this, of course, takes a lot of computer power to make these assessments. Then next, there are studies in fruit flies, worms, mice, rats, and dogs in Canada only. And the reason these are the organisms that are usually studied is that they all have a similar genome to humans. Kind of surprising. And, of course, when you do studies on these organisms, we can get the results very quickly because they don't live very long. Fruit flies are days. That's where you first start with a new study. First with flies, fruit flies, that works, try it on worms, then mice, then rats, and then dogs. And then we have the idea that whether or not it would be worth it to try it with a study on humans, whether it would be worth it. And then the last, of course, is these small studies in humans where you can kind of get an initial idea of what the benefit and the risk are. And it'll also assess the suitability for a potential clinical trial. So it's useful to understand how all of these various studies and trials work because they'll come into play when we're thinking about taking some of these various prescription drugs. So there are seven drugs or medications with this, what's called an off-label therapy or adjuvant therapy or additional therapy. One that almost everybody knows about is Viagra. Viagra was developed as a heart drug, and it was kind of an okay for that use, but the off-label use, the other benefit, even a greater benefit, was for men with erectile dysfunction. And so that's an example of Viagra was not developed for erectile dysfunction, but we found out that it does work for it And since we've done a clinical trial and know the side effects aren't too bad, then it's an easy approval. In fact, you don't have to get FDA approval. In most cases, doctors can just start prescribing it. And so that's an example of what we mean by an off-label use. So there are four of these medications and prescription drugs that have a off-label or benefit. First is aspirin. So aspirin usually is used for headaches, as we all know, and the primary use is typically to reduce the chronic inflammation. If you remember from some of my previous podcasts, that's essentially all through all these diseases, it all kind of starts with chronic inflammation. So aspirin is really good for that, that's the primary use. The off-label use for aspirin is it greatly reduces the likelihood of colon cancer. And the suggested dose every day to get that off-label benefit from aspirin is one baby aspirin a day, which is a quarter of a regular aspirin, 81 milligrams. So aspirin is a medication, not a drug. Now, statin is a drug. And as we all know, I'm sure, statin is used to lower LDL, and that'll reduce the incidence of atherosclerosis, which means heart attacks and strokes and a tremendous benefit in our country from taking statins for people, it also has an off-label benefit. And that is it reduces the likelihood of four different cancers, breast cancer, prostate cancer, pancreatic cancer, and kidney cancer. So for example, I don't get headaches. I never take aspirin, but I'm taking aspirin, low dose, to reduce the probability of getting colon cancer. And I don't have um, high cholesterol, but I'm taking a statin just to decrease the probability that I will get prostate, pancreatic, or kidney cancer, or if I was a woman, also breast cancer. The third one is a beta blocker, which is used to help people lower their blood pressure. That's the primary use. And you may have remember from some of my previous podcasts, 47% of the people in the U.S., have a blood pressure over 120 slash 70. In other words, dangerous. And the off-label benefit for a beta blocker is it will reduce the incidence of prostate and breast cancer. So I don't have high blood pressure, but I'm taking a beta blocker because <laughs> I want that benefit to reduce the probability of me getting prostate cancer. And then the last one prescription drug is metformin and metformin has been around for 30 or 40 years. It's all based on the goat's rue plant that's been used in China for 2,000 years. And its main benefit is to reduce the sugar levels in our body. So, and the primary use is for people who have type two diabetes, which is totally understandable. However, the off-label benefit of metformin is it reduces the probability of five different cancers pancreatic colon stomach endometrium and liver so i don't have, again i don't have type 2 uh, diabetes but i'm taking metformin now here's something interesting about metformin so when people get type 2 diabetes they don't take metformin they will epidemiology studies now large groups of people they will lose 11 10 years off their lifespan and 15 years off of their health span. In other words, they're not gonna have a very good life for the last 15 years, meaning from age, say, 55 to 70. When diabetics take metformin, they live longer than people who don't have diabetes. So it's almost as good a proof you can get that it has a real benefit for longevity. And there is now the first time ever a clinical trial in progress for the additional benefits for longevity for metformin. It's the only one ever started for a longevity benefit. As you can imagine, it's going to be a long study because it, it takes a long time for us to see the effect on us humans. Now, to give you one example about type 2 diabetes, by the way, of Americans have it and 30% are pre-diabetic. So if you have type two diabetes and don't take metformin, uh, again, you lose 10 years off your lifespan, 15 years off your health span. So my wife recently went down to Norfolk to see one of her girlfriends whose husband had just died from type two diabetes. And he was 71, so he lost nine years. And he has had one leg amputated He has lost his eyesight and other things that have happened to him, bedridden. And so I had a really lousy life for 15 years. And then recently he got renal failure. And so the choice was to go into dialysis and he just said, heck with it, you know, I'm done. So there's just a perfect example of if you have type two diabetes, what's going to happen to you, especially if you don't take.
0: And let's do that now. The Asher Longevity Institute developed a nine step program to guide you to a much longer and much healthier life. Our mission is to make this system easy to understand, simple to execute, and sustainable for the rest of your life. Go to AsherLongevity.com today and sign up for the information and access you need to live the longevity lifestyle. That's AsherLongevity.com to help you feel better now and achieve the longevity you desire." John, that was really interesting information about the first four medications. What There are three more. Could you tell us about those, please?
1: Yes. Yeah, so the first four, one was a medication aspirin, the other three were prescription drugs. And their major benefit is to help prevent various cancers. In addition for metformin, the additional benefit is we just live a lot longer. And people have asked, so when should I start taking these? What age? And you hear all kinds of advice on this. If you kind of integrate the advice, I would say, if you don't have any underlying conditions, probably can wait till you're in your 60s. But if you have underlying conditions, might even want to start at age 45. And by underlying conditions, we've kind of heard about this in the COVID crisis, what, what a whole list of these are. COPD, having had a heart attack, renal failure, high blood pressure, diabetes. So if you got any of that, especially more than one, you should probably be taking those already. And again, I know most people don't want to take prescription drugs if they don't have to. In in many cases, because of the side effects. For example, 5% of the people who take a statin just can't do it, it makes their muscles weak. So now let's go to three other prescription drugs, that have a direct benefit on longevity, direct. Whereas the other three were all about preventing various cancers. Metformin, of course, also had a longevity benefit. But now I'm gonna talk about three prescription drugs that have a direct longevity benefit. So the first is rapamycin. Rapamycin is only found on Easter Island. It was found by mistake. And its primary use is as an organ transplant rejection prevention drug <laughs> meaning if you got a replacement kidney then your body is going to naturally want to reject it so to prevent that rejection then take rapamycin for about two weeks a fairly high, high dose and then you'll be fine the body will slowly over a couple week period accept that foreign organ whether it's from another human or from a pig actually but it also has a direct benefit on longevity. And you only take a small amount once a week for rapamycin. And so what rapamycin actually does is it's extremely useful to tamp down that hormone that we have that leads to fast growth. That's the hormone called mTOR we talked about in another podcast that's very useful to help us grow from baby to adulthood quickly, but it doesn't turn off. So when people get brain cancer, it's why that cancer grows so fast, we might have weeks to go. Or pancreatic cancer, we might have only months to go because that mTOR doesn't turn off. Rapamycin tamps down that mTOR. So we don't have that rapid cell growth, which is a problem in essentially all major diseases. And so when you've studied uh, rapamycin, and again, in yeast, fruit flies, worms, mice, rats, and dogs, dogs cannot be studied in the US. Typically, they're mainly studied in Canada. All of those organisms, including dogs, live 25% longer. So in Canada, almost everybody gives their dogs rapamycin. So another interesting side effect is weight loss. So that's, it sounds crazy to take an organ transplant rejection prevention drug, but if you take it in a very low dose, you get this longevity benefit. The next is Deprinil, another prescription drug been around for a long time, and it's used for people who have depression, and they've actually found that it has an off-label use for Alzheimer's. So it's now being used for Alzheimer's as well. And it essentially regulates the amount of dopamine in the brain, supports positive mood, increased energy, enthusiasm, attention, planning, and inhibition control. So all those are good, but it's essentially a metformin for the brain is essentially what it does from a longevity standpoint. And then the final one is the sitinib. If you don't like the other two, you're really not gonna like this one. So, so this is a chemotherapy drug used for certain types of leukemia, and at a fairly high dose. And it has a tremendous longevity benefit. And you only take a very small dose only twice a year, which of course, is hardly anything. And it has this great, great, great benefit for longevity. So those of you who've ever taken our sales training, you know that salespeople always like to offer good, better, best, give the buyer options. So when you're looking at, looking at um, how do you actually help our bodies live longer from this standpoint, a good way to do it is fasting. And that is essentially eating only in a 12-hour period, two days in a row, every two weeks. The study, so that the studies show if you want to get the benefit of fasting, two days in a row for 16 hours every two weeks. And... It's actually not that difficult to do because if you, for for example, if you only eat starting at noon, so you don't eat breakfast, eat at noon, start eating at noon and quit eating at 8 p.m., and then you've only eaten eight hours, so now you have 16 hours for the evening and, and, of course, half of the hours you're going to be asleep. So if it sounds difficult, my wife and I actually fast every single day and have been doing it for quite some time. So that's the good way. The second way is to take a couple of supplements. There's a supplement called curcumin, and another supplement that's essentially green tea in a pill. That actually gives you better benefit. And then the best is this this tacitinib that I mentioned, the chemo drug, plus curcumin. And these three are probably for people over sixty. So that's a summary of the seven. Medications or prescription drugs, actually, one medication, aspirin, and six prescription drugs. The first three are to tamp down the probability of getting cancer for the various cancers. And the last three are just directly related to longevity.
0: Very interesting, John. Once again, detailed information, scientific based knowledge. And as we know, knowledge is power. That wraps it up, I guess, for this podcast. Thank you, everybody. If you'd like to have a checklist of simple actions to take based on today's podcast, go to hasherlongevity.com. That's all the time we have for today. From now until we meet again, John Asher reminds you that looking after your health today gives you better hope for tomorrow. And that's going to wrap it up for another edition of Alive right here on the Funnel Radio Network for listeners like you.